good. Well, today we're in Acts chapter 12. Uh, last weekend, Pastor Jesse brought the word. I mean, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Wow. Man, I, if you weren't here, watch the podcast, listen to the podcast. It was one of the best sermons I've ever heard. Jesus was in the room. I, I, I don't know about you. I, I try not to be weird or too weird, but uh, when the Holy Spirit's really moving on my, my life, and you can judge me all you want, but I kind of do this thing. Have you seen that in me? It's like, what is wrong, wrong with Dan? And I'm telling you, I was sitting in the front row, and I'm just like, I'm like, stop it, Dan. Like, that's so weird. And like, oh, man. But the whole, like, even now you're like, that's so weird. But I was just like, wow, Holy Spirit, you are speaking today. And, and uh, I want to really just quickly debrief the last half of Acts chapter 11, what Jesse covered last week, and then we're going to go into 12. But it's so important what we saw. So something very defining in the history of the church happened at the end of uh, Acts 11. And Torg, he mentioned it, that they mentioned that they were now witnessing to Greeks, to non-Jewish people, to Gentiles, and that Greeks, Gentiles, non-Jewish people, they were actually coming to the Lord. And and it's actually even happening in this city, if you remember the city that he called uh, Antioch. Remember Antioch? And he said, something special has happened in Antioch. And so Barnabas shows up. And we got to remember Barnabas. And he shows up and Scripture says he's glad. In fact, Scripture tells us that, and he says it this way, he encourages those believers in Antioch to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. But Barnabas isn't done. Now he goes over to Tarsus. And he's got to go to Tarsus because who's over in Tarsus? Saul of Tarsus is in Tarsus. And so he goes to Tarsus. He says, Saul, like something has happened in Antioch. you got to come with me over to Antioch. And then scripture says that for a year, an entire year, Barnabas and Saul, they're training, they're teaching, they're equipping the believers in Antioch. But now we have a prophet, uh, Agabus. He comes over from Jerusalem to Antioch and he prophesies. He says, hey, here's the deal. There's going to be a famine that's going to spread over the entire Roman world. And so now these early first Christians in Antioch, they're like, hey, we got to do something about this. They collect this gift. They send the gift to Jerusalem and they send Barnabas and Saul with the gift. You tracking with me, church? All right, I know I'm talking fast, but that's just kind of who I am. All right, verse 1 of chapter 12. It was about that time, around this time of all this stuff going on, that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. Now, Herod, this is not the same Herod that's at the beginning of Luke. That's Herod the Great. Now, this is Herod the Great's grandson, Herod Agrippa I. And he is arresting people who belong to the church. Now, listen to this. This is so important. Verse 2, James, the brother of John, was put to death with the sword. So he's persecuting the church, and he has James, the brother of John, put to death by the sword. Now, there's a few James in the Bible. It's confusing sometimes to keep track of them all. But this is James, the brother of John. And you know him, right? I mean, you know that James. This is the same James who's known as the son of Zebedee, right? John and James, or maybe the coolest name ever, the sons of thunder. Come on. How good is that? But this is James, the James who was a fisherman. This is James, the one who was called, and, and, and there was the 12. Remember, Jesus has his 12, but then he had that inner circle. Remember the inner circle? Don't you want to be in the inner circle of Jesus? Like, it's Peter, John, and James. And so that inner circle, like, this is the James that got to be there. Remember when Jairus' daughter is dead, and he says, hey, everybody out of the room. Oh, except for you. You get to see this one. And he resurrects his daughter from the grave. This is the same James at the Mount of Transfiguration where they're seeing Elijah and they're seeing Moses. This is that James. And now James has been put to death. He is the first of Jesus' disciples to be murdered. When he saw, when Herod saw that this was met with approval among the Jews, 
he proceeds to move on to Peter, right? He seizes Peter also. And this happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting Peter, he puts Peter into prison. He hands him over to quite a group of guards. It says four squads of four soldiers each. And Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but catch this life spring. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That one got me this week. Church, are you earnestly praying right now? I mean, we got some issues going on in this world. And we need to be earnestly praying. I'm so thankful for those of you that showed up at our prayer time Thursday morning at 7 a.m. We're going to do that again this Thursday and next Thursday. Are you earnestly praying to the Lord? Christians, we're so good at saying I'm praying without ever praying. Right now we're praying for, of course, what's going on in Ukraine. I had the privilege of meeting one of the pastors at the Slavic church this week. He said, yeah. He goes, we got family members who have people that are spreading throughout the other Eastern European countries going over to Poland. He says, yeah, we have people at our church who have now lost loved ones in Ukraine. And then how can you not be anything but completely devastated as you heard the news about Dom Kalata, Pierce County Sheriff's deputy who drove the streets of our town of Edgewood, who lost his life in the line of duty this last week. So church, can we earnestly pray right now? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We just pray to you right now that you would do what only you can do. As the disciples and the early Christians prayed for Peter, so we pray right now for those people in Ukraine, for the believers that they would not lose heart, that they would be strengthened right now by your Spirit, that they would be strong in you, Jesus, that even right now there would be a word on their lips, a saving word that those, anyone who would come with questions about life and questions about God and questions about Jesus, that the believers in those areas right now would be quick to say the good news of Jesus Christ, that this would be the day of salvation. But beyond that, Lord, we ask for peace, your peace, Lord. Not peace as the world offers it, but your peace. Bring that, Lord. Comfort, Lord, Dom Kalada's wife. I think his son is four or five years old. Be with that family. Speak your presence over them as they grieve, as they mourn. Lord, be close. Be close. We intercede for them today, Lord. We intercede for them today. We earnestly pray to you, Father. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Amen. 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 But listen to what happens next. Verse 6. The, the night before Herod was to bring Peter to trial. Peter, he's sleeping. Everybody say sleeping. Well, this is an important part of this story. He's sleeping between two soldiers. As much as you can, try to get a visual, a mind's eye kind of picture of this. It's hard. None of us were alive 2,000 years ago. But again, if you can at all, try to get a picture of this. He's sleeping between two soldiers. He's bound with two chains. And sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly. Suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. Oh, man. We just got done with the book of Mark. Don't you love it? Mark, it's always immediately and suddenly, suddenly an angel of the Lord appears and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side. Did you know that angels can hit people? Look at that. He's, he just strikes him in the side. Why does he have to strike him in the side? Because he's sleeping. And so he wakes him up and he says, Peter, quick, get up. And the chains fall off of Peter's wrist. The angel says to him, Peter, put on your clothes. Put on your sandals, wrap your cloak around you, and Peter, follow me. 
Peter follows him out of prison, verse 9, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. Like, he's kind of in a daze, and he's almost like thinking maybe this is just all a vision. And so they passed the first guards, and they passed the second guards, and they came to that iron gate leading into the city. And here's the deal. That gate, that iron gate, it opened by itself, and they went through. And when they had walked the length of one street, then suddenly, there's that word again, suddenly the angel left him. So this is fascinating to me. I was getting excited this week. I mean, here Peter is. He's just doing his thing. He's living his life for the Lord. But now his brother in Christ, James, like co-laborer, he's killed. This is a big deal. Like sometimes we just kind of, you know, flippantly pass through that one. I mean, this is a big deal. They did life together. And now he's in prison. Like what happened to James? That's going to happen to me. Like I'm next. He's sleeping in prison. He's in chains. And then suddenly. Suddenly, God intervenes. A dramatic, divine, angelic prison escape. And I love how Luke writes all of this. And Luke, he's the one that writes Luke, which makes sense. But he also wrote Acts. He's very intentional. He wants everybody, including me, including you, to know that this prison escape, like this isn't something that Peter is doing. Can we just track with me on that one? This isn't something Peter is doing. This isn't like a Dwayne Johnson, I don't know, Chris Pratt, you know, Sean Connery, The Rock, you know, like that was a terrible Sean Connery accent. But like this isn't like some prison escape where, you know, you're doing the James Bond moves, you know, the action movie moves to get out of prison. Like Luke makes it very clear. No, this isn't any of that. See, this is all about God. We got to hear this today, church. It was while Peter was sleeping that an angel appears. Peter. I mean, he's calling the shots, right? Peter, put on some clothes. Peter, get those sandals on. You're going to be doing some walking. Peter, get that cloak wrapped around you. And Peter, follow me. Has anyone ever had the Lord intervene in your life like that before? Right? I mean, that is the Christian life where, where you're just living, right? And, and you're doing your best. Like, you're just trying to be a good follower of Jesus. You're following the Lord. But then suddenly, suddenly, the Lord begins to move. And, and let's be honest. Like, we're all kind of like in, whoa. Like, what's happening? Have you ever been in that days of like, you're just trying to catch up to what God is doing. Like, I think God is doing something. I, I, I hope God is doing something. And God is like, what are you doing? If you could just clue me in next time, that would be nice, right? So how many times has that happened? I, I had one of those happen. I'll just tell one quick story. I won't tell the whole story, but many of you know last February 7th. So over a year ago, I was radically healed, right? And, and I was just kind of right there. And by the way, there's nothing like special about like right there. But I was laying on my face, just prostrate on the ground. And, and I, here's the deal. I just wanted to meet with God. And I don't have the time to tell the whole story, but we're like 15, 20 minutes into me just really meeting with the Lord. The Lord was ministering to me. Pastor Randy was there. He saw some of that. Pete Wilmot was there. And I'm glad that you guys are still coming to the church because it was really weird. But hey, hey, there's just some things going on there. But then after like 20 minutes, I hear Catherine C. Catherine C., who has recently gone on to be with the Lord. But she says, Pastor Dan, the Lord is healing you. And before that moment, I had never fallen down underneath the power of God and His Spirit ever in my life. I'm not against it. But to be honest, it always kind of makes me uncomfortable. But when she said that, I fell down. And the rest is history. I had had a chronic pain disease since 2008. For 12, 13, 14 years, I didn't know a day without that pain. And in a moment, suddenly, the Lord healed 
my life. And you just need to hear this. I need to say this out loud, publicly out loud. I didn't cause that. You also need to hear this. I didn't even ask for it. All I was doing was passionately following the Lord. I just desired to be with Him. I love Him and He loves me. And all that happened in my body, suddenly, in that moment, that is all God. Again, have you ever had something like that happen before in your life? Praise the Lord. I really want you to think about that. And if you can think of something, if something comes to mind, write it down. If you have your uh, phone, maybe put it in your notes section. If you have a journal, write it in your journal. If you have your Bible, put it in the margins. I, I think it's so important that you and I remember how quickly we forget that we remember and celebrate what God has done. You know, I think that's actually one of the main reasons we come on a Sunday morning. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, right? But even though all that you're walking through, and man, you guys are walking through it, Even as you experience all the pain, the hardship, the brokenness, in the midst of it all, you're still seeing God move. Like, that's what non-Christians don't understand. That we're, even in the midst of trials and tribulations, we see the hand of God moving. And you see God move, and you can't unsee what you've seen. So you come here, right? That's a big part of it. You come here. Like, I can't unsee what I've seen. And so I worship you. I praise you. I give you the glory and the honor. Because my God has done great things. I was talking to one of you just a couple of weeks ago, and you're actually here today, and, and you're going through just like the worst. And I just came up to you, and like, what do you even say in that moment? And I said, I'm so sorry that you're walking through what you're walking through. And you said, yeah, it's hard, but Pastor Dan, I want to send you an email of all the ways I've seen God move in the midst of all that I'm walking through. Again, can anyone... Relate. Again, I think that's a huge part of Christianity, that in the midst of what you're walking through as a follower of Jesus, you see God moving. And it doesn't mean you'd wish what you're walking through, you wouldn't wish it upon your own worst enemy. And yet in the middle of the pain, the heartbreak, the brokenness, in the middle of all, you're witnessing miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And that's Peter, right? I mean, this doesn't solve everything for Peter. But look what God is doing for Peter. And so verse 11, he finally comes to himself. He's been in the days, but he's collecting his thoughts. And he goes, okay, well, now I know. I, man, I, got, I just wish I was there. He goes, oh, oh, okay, these are my feet. Okay, these are my hands. I'm here. This really happened, right? Now I know, without a doubt, that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Now, when this dawned on him, right, he's just getting this clarity. He's like, okay, well, now I'm going to Mary's house. Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where people had gathered. And what are the people that are gathering doing? They're praying. That's right. So Peter comes, verse 13, knocks on the door. On the outer entrance, a servant comes uh, to the door named Rhoda, and she recognizes Peter's voice. And so she's overjoyed, and so she runs back without opening and says, hey, Peter's at the door. And they're like, eh... I mean, don't, yeah, is he, like, don't you know, Rhoda, he's in prison. <laughs> You're out of your mind. It must be his angel. But this is comical, right? Because what happens? Verse 16, Peter keeps knocking, right? And then they open the door. And they must have just been about to shout because it says they're astonished. But then they're like, and he's like, no. <laughs> he motions with his hand for them to be quiet. And he describes how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he says, tell James. Now, this isn't the James who's just died, but this is probably James, the brother of Jesus, actually. He says, tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this. And then he leaves. He has to go to another place. Again, 
this is still a dangerous situation. And so he leaves. In the morning, there's no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him, did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and he ordered them that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea. He stayed there. He had been quarreling with some people from some other regions. They had now joined together. They saw an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. Now, on the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes. Can you get the visual for this one? Thank you, Jeremy. On the appointed day, Herod, he's wearing these royal robes. You can imagine them just shining brilliantly in the sun. He sits on his throne. He delivers a public address to the people. And then they shouted. They're like, wow, like this is the voice of a God, not of a man. Talk about what we're really facing right now in our world, even our church world, the celebrity culture, when they hear a pastor, like, oh, wow, like, pastor, you're the fourth member of the Trinity. Speak more. But instead, what happens immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, ooh, that's a good one, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God Say it with me, church. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. Praise the Lord. Now, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. I mean, look at what God is doing. I mean, it's a great story. It really is. I love this chapter. I mean, it'd be an exciting scene in a movie. I mean, you got the angel of the Lord. You got this great prison escape. And then kind of the bad guy, like he's eaten by worms and dies. Like my 12-year-old sixth grade self would think that was awesome. There's a couple things I want to point out. I, I hope you caught the part about this happening around Passover. Did you catch that? Now, that's pretty amazing because do you remember the original Passover? Do you remember that Exodus story? God delivering his people out of slavery. God delivering his people out of Egypt. And as much as sometimes we want to say that Moses is the hero of that story, if you pay close enough attention to how Exodus is written, I'm telling you, the real hero of that story, it isn't Moses, it's who? It's God. It's Yahweh. It's Yahweh. Well, let's consider another important event, maybe the most important event in all of history, that occurred at a later remembrance, a later celebration of Passover. Do you remember, like, the death and resurrection of Jesus? And God doesn't just deliver his people from Pharaoh, but he delivers humanity from sin and death. Through Jesus' death and resurrection. Come on. God triumphs over a whole host of enemies. Again, God is the hero of that story. And it's the same way in today's passage. Acts chapter 12. It's overwhelmingly about what God is doing. It's God's powerful move. God's powerful move. God is the hero in the face of some pretty intense, serious human resistance, opposition to the gospel. Now, it seems to me in the Exodus story... Definitely in the death and resurrection of Jesus. But even here in Acts 12, it seems that God's people are always trying to catch up to what God is doing. You see that in every one of those stories. Like, what and how? I'm like, are you sure? And again, Peter, he's hit in the side by an angel, and he's in a daze. He's kind of confused. But then once he gets the clarity, he goes to those people, and they're at the house. And they're like, I don't know if that's really Peter. Like, maybe it's just his angel. Like, what's going on? But I want you to hear this today, Life Spring. 
I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to hear this. Even if you don't know what's going on, God knows. God knows. Like maybe your life, right, you're just like, Dan, it's like a mess. Or maybe uh, it's a daze. I'm confused and uh, I don't know, like this or that. But just this morning, church, remember who the hero of your story is. Your hope, your trust, your faith, your confidence. It is not in yourself. It is not in your ability to have all the answers, to have it all figured out. Your hope, your faith, your trust, your confidence. It is in the Lord, whom the book of Proverbs says, it is Him who establishes your steps. The book of Proverbs says, it is His plans and his purposes and they shall prevail is that true or is it just wishful thinking i'd like to think that it's true today if you feel like you've been in a daze the last two years one join the club (laughs) but two I, i think it's time to try to catch up because here's the deal. I get, I get it. Like, you're just trying to make sense of it all, and you're struggling to make sense of it all. And just hear me. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. We sing about it. We read about it. But do we believe it? Do we believe that God knows what he's doing? Again, his ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But God is moving. I declare that. Some of you, I, I get it, you're singing the songs, but in your heart, you are not even, you, the enemy has such a, just a hold on you. Be set free today. God is moving. One of the most powerful things you can do when you're struggling and you're hurting and you're crying, you say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I believe in faith that you are moving and you're working behind the scenes and it's for your glory and for my good. Because God is moving. He's doing what he said he would do. Again, I think a lot of it, we're just trying to catch up to speed. This is so good. While you were sleeping, God was moving. So you just need to hear that. Wash over your minds and over your heart today. While you were sleeping, God was moving. He was advancing his plans his purposes, and his kingdom. And if that's true, and I believe it is, if God is moving, then all of us should be praying what Kyla said earlier. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. God, if you're moving, then move. And if you're moving, then give me eyes to see where you're moving. If you're moving, give me ears to hear what you're saying. God, if you're moving, and move. Those are the kinds of prayers that we need to be praying. And those are the kinds of prayers that you pray when you understand who the real hero of your story really is. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I've encountered a, a few people here who maybe are in a little bit of a daze with the transition of One Hope joining Lifespring. And that's normal, right? That's going to happen. I think with any change, none of us likes change, right? And transitions, I mean, there's kind of something about it that's uncomfortable and disorienting. There's a lot of questions like, is this really happening? Or maybe you've done that. Like you look to the person on your left and you're like, who are you? And then if you're a real church person, you say, and why are you in my seat? Right? We got questions like, why, why isn't Pastor Jesse preaching today? Or what about that small group? Or what about that event? Or what about this? What about that? And 
By the way, it's okay to have those questions. Any normal person would have those questions. Church, I got a lot of questions. In a lot of ways, I'm struggling my way through this thing. But I do feel like we could learn a lot from today's story. And I hope it gives all of us permission to take a deep breath. Because we don't have to have it all figured out. Praise the Lord. And even if it doesn't make sense to you, makes sense to the Lord. It's kind of a healthy thing, isn't it? Because we like to be confident and have all the plans, and this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. It's kind of nice to be in a posture of actually sweet surrender, where we say, actually, God, we're open. We need you to lead us, Lord. I also say this. It doesn't have to make sense to you for it to be the Lord. Again, trust the Lord. He's the hero, and he knows what he's doing. Maybe I've failed to communicate some of this, but church, you just need to hear this. So many people that I love and respect, people that I trust with my life, have prayed over this. We're talking so many pastors, leadership teams, councils, four-square denominational leaders. I just wish you knew how many times we cried out in those meetings, Lord, oh God, open and close doors. Lord, lead us. Lord, speak to us. It was in a posture of humility, a posture of surrender. And praise the Lord. I mean, he's been so good. He's been faithful to speak. He has spoken and he's leading and we're following and praise God for what he's doing. It is beautiful and it is powerful. And thank you for being a part of it. And as a pastor in unincorporated King County, I would simply say this. If you sense that God is calling you to be a part of this next season at LifeSpring, then here you go. Buckle up and let's go because God's got something for us to do. I love you. I love your message last week. I love what you said. It caught me off guard. I, I don't know if I even liked it. But it was true. Do you remember this? He said, no one knows what life spring is going to look like in five years. And that's the truth. And I can't promise you what this is going to look like in five years. None of us even knows what our own life is going to look like in five years. But let's continue to, yeah, you guys are like, we know, Pastor Dan, we know. But let's continue to passionately pursue him. Let our hero lead us both individually but also corporately as a church. Amen. But then I, I want to say this. I, I don't think many of you are going to like this, but I just had to say this. I, I was wrestling through it this week. I, I think there's a theology out there that says if you do this, right, if you follow hard enough after God, if you do what he's asking you to do, then almost it's like a guarantee that you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Like, nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. You know what I'm talking about? Like, we've all watched the TV show. But I want to challenge that a little bit today. And I do this with grace, and I do this with sensitivity. Both Peter and James love the Lord. Both Peter and James passionately obeyed the Lord. Whatever you've given up for the Lord, I I can almost guarantee you they gave up more. And Jesus loved them. He walked with them. He called them. He died for them. But in this one chapter, one mighty man of God, 
Peter is delivered from prison, while the other mighty man of God, James, loses his life. And as the Lord continues to move in this region, as the Lord continues to move in your life, I just want to have you hear this. I'm not going to pretend how it's going to go for any of you. I don't know. This last season has been a shock, a shock to my system. I've had to say goodbye to some of my favorite people on this earth. Whether they've moved away or passed away, I counted it. Between September and January, I was a part of seven funerals. My mind is still trying to catch up to what has happened in this last season. But remember, as all of us, oh, you beautiful saints, as all of us follow hard after the Lord, whether we are set free from our earthly enemy, whether we are set free, whether it's Pharaoh or Herod or cancer or anything else, or if we are not, either way, remember this, church, either way, in Christ, you and I are already free. In Jesus, because of Jesus. See, you haven't just been led out of a prison cell. You have been led out of the grave. Romans 6.23 declares, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody shout out life. Come on. See, whether you're Peter or James, if Jesus is the king of your heart, then you have eternal life in him. I mean, hallelujah. I love that song. Hallelujah, I'm free. Hallelujah, I'm free. Jesus has rescued me. Hallelujah, I'm free. Praise the Lord for what he has done. And one day, oh, by the way, one day, one day, my chain-breaking, miracle-making king is coming back to rule and reign forever and ever. Can we give the Lord some praise? Man, and for that reason and that reason alone, I'm willing to follow him, right? Whew. Come what may, wherever you lead me to go, I'm going to follow you. Praise the Lord. I'm so proud of you. Praise the Lord. As for each one of us here, come what may. I'm going to follow you, Lord. For me, I'm all in. For me, I say I'm all in. But the question for you is simple. Are you? Are you all in? Are you willing to say yes to God and follow him wherever he asks you to go? At this time, I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And if you'd stand to your feet, I just want to spend some time praying. The Lord is here. I mean, he's, he's moving. He's speaking to our hearts. But if you'd stand to your feet, I just... I just want us to, to pray a little bit because I, I can almost guarantee you there's probably a situation somewhere in your life, a situation you're facing, maybe in your school, maybe in your family, maybe in your work, and, and it just kind of feels a little hazy and you're feeling a little disoriented and you're just like, oh, man, I don't even know. And, and maybe it's just not one event. Maybe it's the accumulation of the last couple of years and, and you're just like even letting little things gnaw at you and little words kind of take you down and, and you just don't know how you're going to get through it. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. And even as I'm praying, in the sweetness of His Spirit, but also in the power of His presence, I invite you to just give that, whatever it is, whatever that situation is, give it back to the Lord. Give it back to Jesus. Maybe it's just a posture of closing your eyes and putting your hands out. You know, you know what I mean? Where you're just like, here it is. Here it is. 
Here it is. I'm placing my hope and my trust in you again. Here it is. Maybe you need to just remind your heart and your mind right now that you aren't the hero of the story. The Holy Spirit, we also need you to remind our heart and our mind that you're the leader and we're the follower. God, get us back into that rightful position where we say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here are my plans, but I lay them down. I want to follow you. Give him permission, just even in this moment. Give him permission. Maybe you need to just quietly speak to the Lord. Just say, God, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. I give it back to you, Lord. Here it is. I, I've just wrestled and struggled and given myself so much fear and anxiety and worry trying to figure it all out. But, God, I, I come back to a place of surrender, and I commit to following you wherever and however you are asking me to go. Here am I. Send me. I say yes. I say yes. I say yes. Again, church, I just pray this over you. That thing. We all got that thing. You know what I'm talking about. That thing that's in us that says, I got to know all the answers before I follow Jesus. That says we have to have it all figured out. Come on, that is a roadblock that is keeping you from living the abundant life that God has called you to live. So Holy Spirit, right now, break through that wall. In the name of Jesus, Spirit, give us power to believe. Spirit, give us strength to surrender. Spirit, set us free to follow Jesus. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So set us free. Right here, right now, Lord, set us free to follow you, Lord. Even as you're giving him the things that have been weighing on your mind, the the things that have been heavy on your shoulders. Holy Spirit, I I just ask that you would continue to do that work, but this would be a work that would continue into the day and into this afternoon and into this evening, that there would be such a promise of assurance that your presence is with us, but also that while we're sleeping tonight, come on, while we're sleeping tonight, that God, you are working, that you are faithful to finish what you started, that God, even tonight, you're charging your angels over us, even tonight, you're ministering your presence over us, and even tonight, you are fighting for us. Wake us up, Lord. We have been bogged down with many things. The worry, the anxiety, the fear, the insecurities. So many things that have weighed us down, almost paralyzed us, Lord. We just need your spirit again to sing a song over us. Lord, I just speak life over the people in this room. Your life, the abundant life, overflowing life, where the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. I speak against that in the name of Jesus, that no longer will the enemy have his way in your life, that you are a child of God, and God speaks life over you today. Holy Spirit of God, speak life over this room. Your life, your freedom over every person in this room. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And come what may, we will follow you, Lord. Hallelujah, I'm free.
Hallelujah, I'm free. Jesus, my Savior, rescue me. Hallelujah.